opportunity for creation of affordable housing, housing pro, uh, providing is obviously necessary. Um, we're at a, peri a period in time right now where there's a, it's an epidemic, it's an, it's an issue, it's a crisis. Um, you know, as a father of two, uh, grown, uh, who both have degrees, uh, they can't live here on their own. Um, they have to have assistance, they have to uh, live in our home because we had to create space for them to come back and live. And we're talking about two people who have great degrees and, and good jobs. So we know, and any of us who are parents recognize that there's a huge issue keeping our youth, keeping our family, keeping our children here locally, but more importantly, even for us alone, staying here as we age in place and we stay, and those that are elderly begin to want to downsize or move, or move uh, in a situation where it's easier for them to survive here locally. the Express News Group, I'm Gavin Manu, publisher of the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, Express Magazine, and 27East.com. The Express Sessions are back with a new season of conversations not to be missed. And this is the Sessions Report. The Express Sessions are presented by Rocco Carrero Wealth Partners, a Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor for 2023 with offices in East Hampton and Southampton. Deciding the right next move in a changing market can be a challenge, but the right financial advice can help you best position your portfolio to take advantage of opportunities and mitigate loss. The professionals at Rocco Carrero Wealth Advisors are committed to understanding your goals and can provide personal financial advice to meet your individual needs. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit RoccoCreo.com or call 631-283-8482. Welcome back to the Sessions Report. Right off the bat, I want to say one of our ongoing jokes about Express Sessions is that no matter the topic, it ends up being a conversation about affordable housing. It's it's really the issue that's been gripping our area for so many years. So uh, we cut right to the chase and the Express Sessions were back last week on October 12th at the American Hotel in Sag Harbor. And the topic was affordable housing for essential volunteers and professionals on public land. It's sort of a different take on our usual discussion. Um, but as usual, there were no easy solutions that came out of the room. And really the impetus for the this specific conversation were two ideas really that would involve using public properties to build affordable housing and potentially give employees or volunteers an inside track on one of the homes. One of the ideas was to use the Sag Harbor Firehouse property on Brick Kiln Road in that way. And a similar uh, plan was pitched in the East Hampton School District. So we had a panel, as we often do. They included uh, Sag Harbor Village Mayor Tom Gardella, Southampton Town Councilman Tommy John Schiavone, Curtis Highsmith, who is the Executive Director of the Southampton Town Housing Authority, Kirby Marcantonio, who is one of the drivers behind the East Hampton School District idea, and Tim Fromm, who is the Assistant Superintendent for the School District. Um, Again, as is often the case with affordable housing, there seem to be more questions than answers. So joining me to help us sort through some of it uh, are two journalists who've been covering this issue for decades. Uh, so for an introduction on our controls, as usual, is Bill Sutton. Hey, Bill. 
Hey, Gavin. So I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group and had the pleasure of um, um, kind of helping to to run the sessions the other day. Yep. Uh, uh, the, the moderator extraordinaire moving the mic around the room. And also one of our senior reporters who uh, covers Sag Harbor specifically, Stephen Coates, is with us. Hey, Steve. Good afternoon. And you know, not only have I reported on affordable housing, but I've lived it. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Haven't we all? We were very fortunate to buy our house when we did. You know? Yep. Yep. I think a lot of us feel the same way. Um, so at the top of the podcast, that was Curtis Highsmith talking, and, and he obviously lives in this world. And it's really hard to cut through all the rules and regulations and challenges that we all face in, in trying to develop these housing options or, or these officials face anyway. Um, so, Bill, you moderated the event. What, you know, what was your takeaway in terms of how the issue is being tackled? Are some of these creative solutions even going to be possible in, in sort of the bigger picture? Well, I, I, I think that uh, when you're talking about the affordable housing crisis, um, any plan is a good plan. Um, it, it's, you know, the towns have done a, an admirable job over the over the last few years to to try to push the issue forward. Um, but but the crisis grows and, and grows and grows. So when you have, you know, different um, different ideas, um, I, I think it's a good start. Um, I, I think that the idea of of you know affordable uh, kind of public um, private partnerships, um, like they were talking about in East Hampton, is is interesting. And in, um, you know, in the plan and and Sag Harbor um, is is interesting as well. But I, I think as as um, as Curtis Highsmith noted, um, there there can be issues with that. And you know, and one of the the biggest takeaways, you know, that I took is is that, um, you know, in, in Sag Harbor, what what they want to do is they want to, you know, build these apartments, and and the idea, the plan was was to kind of focus in on um, volunteers, firefighters, EMTs, ambulance workers, that type of thing, um, and and in East Hampton, they're talking about focusing in on teachers and administrators and district employees. What what the the problem that 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 you know creates though, and we've talked about this in in other conversations about affordable housing, um, is is you've got to um, adhere to fair housing um, rules, and and when you're focusing in on a specific group, you've got to make sure that that group is diverse enough that you're not running into these into these issues and. Um, I, I think there was a lot of confusion for a few years on what exactly that meant and adhering to fair housing. And there's no there's no real, you know, law or or rules about it. Um, but what you do is you open yourself up to, to liability. If the village was going to focus in on, um, you know, firefighters and, and EMTs and somebody could file a lawsuit and, and say that they're being unfair to um specific groups in 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 the village if it's determined that that fire department um doesn't have a diverse enough uh background right i i mean steve let's let's talk about the sag harbor uh situation for a minute tom gardella has only been mayor for about four months now and you know admirably he's trying to tackle this housing issue in a very challenging environment sag harbor village is 2.2 square miles and and sort of has an urban build right there's not a lot of open space 
Exactly. Well, so what was your takeaway from his comments about how, you know, his idea is to move the public works department uh, into, you know, near the Long Pond Green Melt. It'd be an environmentally sensitive area and trying to develop some housing on the firehouse property. Uh, you know, you've had conversations with him about that. Where's his mindset? Well, I mean, I, I, I think that the what it shows is just how complicated and difficult the problem is. I mean, if it's not an intractable problem facing us, it's close to to that. And for for this proposal that 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 Gardella has put forth, there's an awful lot of moving pieces for a dozen apartments. Um, and but I think what he has done correctly, I mean, he pitched this idea a year ago and has been quietly working on it but he what he did is he went out to the public you know and he said this is something i would like to consider he spoke to people who are supporting you know the the friends of the long pond greenbelt he said i'd like you know to get you on board how can i do that it all began with the need to re redo or replace the existing firehouse and ambulance headquarters if you go down to that piece of property and see the way it's set up, you have the firehouse, the ambulance headquarters, you have DPW, you have the village mechanics garage. And there's, the buildings are kind of a hodgepodge or set up in a hodgepodge way. There's no real uniformity to it. So we decided that we were going to combine the firehouse and the ambulance headquarters together and make an emergency services building. And this started we have Kathleen Mulcahy here, former mayor, who decided to put funds aside to uh, hire an architect to start to work on these plans. And that, that happened over her administration. We put money aside and we put out a bid and we hired H2M to, who had won the bid, to start to design this building, which now, I could say, has already been, is almost complete. We have the site plan already drawn for it. With doing that, combining the two buildings, we were able to open up some space, obviously where the ambulance headquarters is. The challenge was then to see if we could expand and see if we could move the DPW. Now, the piece of property that the village has that's on the Sag Harbor Bridgehampton Turnpike, which is adjacent to the Long Pond Greenbelt, is a very sensitive area to say the least right the village does use part of it for leaf collection um if you might have seen the pscg truck stage there when they were, were doing the, the yeah the nobody liked that work. right nobody liked that so right the transfer station is there which we leased to southampton town so i decided to reach out to members of the long pond green belt and and pitch this plan to them and, and they were say, fairly receptive right they were because i said let's let's make an example here show that we can we care about affordable housing we care about our volunteers we care about the environment and preserving it and protecting the long pond greenbelt part of the discussion was to and i've had this discussion uh, briefly with cpf is to uh redo have a lot line modification up there and protect the area around the pond there's a parcel that is south of the power lines. There's a triangular piece. Mm -hmm. So to try to get that, preserve those pieces for the Long Pond Greenbelt. 
and in exchange we would move the DPW up there on the land that's already being used that PSCG has used to stage and open up some more land for us to create affordable housing on that parcel which would give us probably just over half an acre of land to work with. Uh, I've included Day Dayton in the conversations all along the way. She will be part of the conversation when we do finally start to draw up the plans for the DPW there. Uh, I want to keep everybody involved. I've kept Tommy John involved as much as I can on the project, and uh, he's, I don't want to speak for him, but I believe he supports this. I just think it just shows just there's an awful lot of pieces that have to be aligned for it to work. I'm actually hopeful. I, I think this one, I think this is going to go through. I don't know. I just, I think, I think they'll figure out a way to get this one to go through. I really do. And it's really admirable. And, and and I think we mentioned it at the, at the sessions event. It, it's admirable that Sag Harbor village um, is motivated to address the problem. I think they're one of, one of the only small villages on, on right. the East end that, that's looking at, at, you know, solutions rather than, leaving it up to the two towns to to try to create affordable housing. You know, and there have been some fumbles in the past. I mean, I think I, I think they made a, a big mistake with Bulova when they didn't require as part of the Bulova uh, development some affordable housing, which was on the books at the time. They instead settled for a payment. Uh, the payment has proven to be woefully inadequate. That's simple. Right, exactly. And I mean, I, you know, like you said, Bill, like, you know, it's admirable that a village is trying to do something, but they are limited. So I think a lot of people do look to the towns and, and Kara Bach, Southampton Towns housing director, was in attendance and she spoke several times about about what the town is doing now and also had some new creative ideas for the audience in attendance. Right now, we're developing a uh, program plan that will be presented to the town board at a work session. And one of the programs um, may be helpful in resolving this problem. It's a program for uh, volunteer essential workers. And uh, this program will help volunteer essential workers pay their mortgage as long as they continuously are active volunteers. So if they stop, then we stop making the payment. And the payment that the CHF funds- A subsidy. The subsidy, correct. Um, mm -hmm. And that would be made directly to their mortgage lender. So if we find out that they are no longer actively volunteering, that payment would stop. But, but it, then, you, then you're, losing, you're losing inventory that way though, right? I mean, if you're not paying the subsidy anymore because they're not volunteering anymore, they got a new job, or whatever, but they want to stay in the house and make up that difference, you've lost that inventory. We have, but it's it's to encourage the volunteers to continue. Okay. And so they would get that subsidy as long as they continue to volunteer. Right. In effect, you're converting voluntary people into paid employees. You're paying them to be a farmer. We're, yes, in, in, in a sense, we're giving them a subsidy to continue volunteering. How big a subsidy? How much? We, uh, that's something we're still developing, but 40%? you know, it, it's something that something will work out. Developing. But this is one of the programs that we are developing under the um, Community Housing Fund mm, right now. Cool. So another program for, for workers is an, an easement program. I think Tommy John alluded to that. And that for workforce hou housing, if you're an owner or even if you're looking to buy a home, if you agree to place an easement on that home, 
for uh, workforce, at a, so you would charge a reduced rent for the workforce, that person has to agree to work at least 30 hours in the township. Hmm. And you know, if they no longer work those uh, 30 hours in the township, then you know, they, they can no longer stay there. There would have to be notice and, and uh, an eviction process. 30 hours over what period So, Bill, of time? there's also other incentives. They have to work 30 hours a week. 30 hours a week in the township. In Locally. The town. Oh, in the township, not the, for the town. No, not for the town, within the township. Oh, yep. okay. And so I that know. keeps that keeps the, um, the unit reserved for our workforce. She talked about some different incentives that, that can be offered um, to, you know, to people looking for affordable housing. Um, and you mix that, you combine that with the new community housing fund um, that, that was passed um, last year and, and the money starting to trickle in um, to the towns. And, you know, I, I think um, we're all fairly hopeful that, that the towns, the Karabakh and, and that, um, you know, Curtis Highsmith um, with, with his housing authority can, um, can start to make a dent in the issue. The Express Sessions are supported by Adam Miller Group, a leading real estate law firm in the Hamptons, specializing in representing and advising clients on acquisitions, sales, leasing, and every aspect of zoning of residential and commercial real estate. Partners Adam Miller and Denise Schoen are known for being highly responsive and solutions-oriented. The firm has had offices in Bridgehampton since 2007 and also has a presence in South Florida. Knowledge of the law, fastidious execution, key relationships, and personal dedication are the cornerstones of the practice. Visit adammillergroup.com or call 631-537-1155 to connect today. The proposal from Kirby uh, Mark Antonio to develop housing on the property at East Hampton High School is another complicated issue. I mean, uh, Kirby is a lifelong resident of East Hampton. He should, you know, deserves a lot of credit for thinking outside the box. You know, he got a nice round of applause yesterday when he talked about how he's just sort of trying to do something to help and and, and talked about how how he's you know helping the community at large that we all need you know, people working out here and people helping out here. And, um, you know, he, he summed it up for the guests in attendance. I became involved in real estate uh, as a part of his business. I dealt in land and zoning and a variety of different uh, endeavors that led me to learn deeply about the code, whether it's zoning or comprehensive. I was well-schooled and well-taught well in the mechanics of land development. I developed major subdivisions, I developed minor subdivisions. I was involved in doing what was called co-opting of uh, pre-existing motels in the Montauk area, which led me to have to become a budget expert on taking apart properties, putting them together, passing uh, offering plans to the Attorney General's office. Basically speaking, I, I was the nerd who um, took care of all the details. When that ended, I finally got a chance to do what I wanted to do, which is publish a magazine, which I've been doing for 25 years. Uh, in the case of doing that, I've be, become acutely aware of the affordable housing squeeze in East Hampton, uh, both from a private level, but also very much from a business level. Mm. 
My magazine brings me in contact with hundreds of businesses, large and small, from East Hampton to Hampton Bays, and I get to know many of my customers personally. And we talk about what's going on, what's good, what's bad. Housing was an issue prior to COVID. COVID lit a match. Price of real estate went up by 40% in East Hampton. Inventory under $1 million disappeared, and therefore what was a issue of affordable housing became a calamity. So I started to think about a year and a half ago about how could we use what we have to accomplish something. And I decided to take it on from a somewhat different angle, which is workforce housing versus affordable housing. Mm. Workforce housing is a subset of affordable housing. Workforce housing is a dilemma where, for instance, Ted Conklin, who owns this beautiful property, has to find a way of making sure he has enough people to run it, in this case, on a year-round basis. Many of those people need to have housing of some kind. That housing is nearly non-existent. That applies to almost every business from the most essential, Southampton Hospital, the East Hampton School District. The town of East Hampton cannot staff its own positions at managerial levels because $120,000 a year isn't enough of a lure to bring somebody to East Hampton who can't live in East Hampton. So I decided to work with the best talent I could find, a gentleman named Chris Kelly, who knows this code better than anyone. And I propose that we try to do something different. We try to find solutions where we can apply basically affordable housing overlay uh, details to projects where we could have condominium or co-op units that could be owned by businesses to use for their workers. That is to say, two-bedroom, four-bedroom, five-bedroom, six-bedroom townhouses that could be built to code, that could be limited to two people per bedroom <coughs> rather than the situation where some Houses are used for very large groups of workers, well outside the code, creates uh, fire issues, safety issues, health issues, neighborhood issues. We would try to codify a new type of housing where we could build multiple units in designated areas. We could use private money, no public money. Using public money opens up the eligibility of projects to people from throughout the municipality that money comes from. So if the state of New York helps you with a project, literally everyone in the state of New York can fill out an application, if they choose to, and apply for a unit in East Hampton. And as has happened recently, we have had a project in Amagansett where half of the units went to people from outside of East Hampton, where the premise of the project was to provide units for firemen and police and local residents. That's not the fault of East Hampton. That's simply a fault of that process. So our process is to be purely private, to take no money from anyone, yet still to offer units that are affordable in this area. Now, when I say that we could sell a fully coated 1,800-square-foot, uh, four-bedroom townhouse for $550,000, that's not affordable in Buffalo. But in East Hampton, where the least expensive single-family dwelling is a million two in Springs and requires another half a million to make it what you want it to be, it is. So for the past year and a half, working with Chris, we have met with town officials, planning department, housing department, and we've come to the point where we are close to codifying 
that actual legislation in which we will have a subset of the affordable housing uh, zone set aside for workforce housing. We have been offered one six-acre parcel by the town of East Hampton on Daniels Hall Road south mm. of the highway where we would lease that property from the town for a fee to be determined and we could build as many as 20 or 30 or 40 townhouse units. We've also found two other par parcels, which I can't really discuss, we're still negotiating, that would be in Springs and also in East Hampton itself, where we might be able to add another 100 units to that total. But Tim Fromm, the district's assistant superintendent, said there were so many questions and so many challenges that the idea to build any kind of housing on school property is, is really still very much in its infancy. Uh, what was your guys' takeaway? I mean, that just seemed partnering with a school district in their property uh, to build housing with a private developer. Again, uh, it's creative. It's great that people are thinking about these things, but is it realistic? I think it is. And I, I, I think I think you have to have private-public partnerships going forward. Um, I think that's the only way to really, really solve it. And I, you know, I, I think about that school piece. Uh, you know, perhaps it's something that the school sells the the property and and divorce. I, I think that that that's the only way that that it would work. I don't think that the school district can be a landlord um, to affordable housing. One of the biggest issues with uh, with any affordable housing or, or workforce housing is going to start with access to land. Mm -hmm. um, there's limited land uh, on the entire East End, let alone in the schools. Um, it would be very difficult for us to move forward with a partnership of, of you know, a project without having a lot outlined in advance. And such as such as. Who's going to own the property? Who's not going to own the property? Who's going to build it? Who's going to pay for it? Uh, staff in those houses. We, you know, when we get into the business of being landlords, the zoning. Zone. I mean, we could go on and on, and 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 that's another hurdle to all of these affordable or workforce housing conversations. Is the time to get these things right? Is you know was yesterday? It's not today. It's not tomorrow. And you know, but you have to start somewhere. And we right? have to start somewhere. The Express Sessions are supported by Advantage Title, a leading provider of residential and commercial title service on the east end of Long Island, throughout New York and nationwide. With an expertise in land use and five in-house counsel, they're known for seamless transactions. Since 1987, hands-on management, state-of-the-art technology, underwriter relationships, and a commitment to being the best have set Advantage Title apart. Visit AdvantageTitle.com or contact Executive Vice President Chris Nuzzi at cnuzzi at AdvantageTitle.com to discuss your title needs today. You thought school yeah. board meetings were long now if they were <laughs> Right. I mean, every time this issue comes up, there's so many interesting questions, right? So you talk about, hey, we're going to put the new science teacher in this great, you know, one bedroom apartment on the school district. The science teacher three years later moves on. Now they got to get a new teacher or a teacher retires. They put in 25 years working in the school district, living in that home. They retire. 
Do they stay? I, do they stay living in that home, or does a new teacher come in? It's a it's a complicated issue. Um, but but one of the things I did want to touch upon, Bill, was you mentioned it. The big difference in this conversation this year compared to last or even previous years is that community housing fund that voters passed in both Southampton and East Hampton towns last fall. It's a half percent uh, tax on most real estate transfers, and uh, the funds would be used on housing initiatives. And uh, Councilman Tommy John Scavoni at the event said that he estimated fund uh, the fund would bring in five to eight million dollars per year in Southampton Town. You figure East Hampton Town maybe would be in the same ballpark. Uh, it's not a huge pile of money, but it will add up, and it could it could make a difference in this issue, right? It's not a huge pile of money when you when you look at it as as five to eight million dollars per year. But if if you think back to when the Community Preservation Fund, um, which is a similar fund, started. The towns were able, and, and East Hampton got in a little trouble with it, but the towns were able to borrow against future revenue. So if you can show a, a pattern of a certain amount of money coming in every year, I think it, it then becomes easier to, um, you know, to to borrow larger sums to to do bigger projects. And, and I'm hopeful that that's what the towns are going to be able to to do to kind of address the issue, um, you know, more quickly. I, I think, yeah, it's a very hopeful um, program. I, I think that, um, you know, East End residents should be congratulated for for approving it. Um, I, I think it, it's going to be an impetus. And um, I think that uh, Tommy John, both in Karabakh that we mentioned earlier, um, you know, both talked about creating committees they're coming up with a plan. They're working out how they're going to utilize that money, um, and I think it'll be a, a bunch of different kind of um, different kind of measures, different kind of housing. And I think um, I, I think fairly soon you'll see some quick action with it. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, it, because at the express sessions we like to be a little progressive and move, move through the issues. Our next mm -hmm. event is going to be October twenty sixth at the uh, Union Sushi and Steak restaurant in Southampton. And the topic is going to be innovative solutions to the South Forks traffic mess, we have called it. And that's uh, obviously directly connected to the issue we're talking about here. Uh, so, you know, people are, are can't afford to live here. They're moving out of town or they already live out of town. But that traffic coming in, anybody who, who drives to the East End from points west every morning knows all about it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what one another, you know, takeaway that I um, took from the the recent sessions of uh, Tim Fromm from East Hampton School District was talking about how a lot of his teachers are living in in Hampton Bays and Points West and are utilizing the commuter connection um, to get to school. Which, if you remember, um, was was the the times of those trains were tweaked a little bit so that. Um, teachers and school personnel would be able to use the train and and I was I was heartened to hear that uh, that that's being utilized and and I think that um, we can look forward to I, I know that uh, Assemblyman Fred Thiel and, and other lawmakers um, are, are pushing um, the MTA and and the uh, Long Island Railroad to to improve that service a little more and add some more trains to that and I think that um, when you're talking about uh, traffic and commuting, that's uh, that's going to be one of the big um, um, big players in in uh, addressing that problem. I was going to say solving that problem, but I don't think we're ever going to solve traffic. 
Right. Well, I was going to get you guys out of here on this. I mean, when, when you guys were rookie reporters, we won't say what year that might have been, you know, a few a few years back. You guys were probably talking about traffic coming into the East End, talking about housing issues. And here we are. Do, do, do you do you think there are solutions to these things? Is is there something we can do about that traffic? Is there some way to, to solve some of these housing issues? I mean, obviously the conversations are happening, but it's just been going on for so long. I think I think people are frustrated and I think public officials are frustrated. Transportation officials are frustrated. So we can have these conversations. Um, you know, we can cover them and you guys have been doing it longer than, than any of us. So um, are you are you hopeful, Bill? Are you are you are you, th you think we can find some solutions here? I, I I think that um, when when the problems get bad enough, then then you kind of have to 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 find a solution. And you're right. Back in in the um, early early 2000s, when when I was a reporter, I had to drive from West Hampton Beach to to Southampton. It was just just one day a week on on Wednesdays, and and the traffic was a huge issue back then. And I remember we had um, conversations about Jody's shortcuts and. And, and all that but but the town did make some efforts they they changed some traffic patterns on on county road uh 39 and it did alleviate traffic for a little bit but then it it started to get worse again so i i think you can you're never going to solve the problem completely but you can you can you can find little tweaks charlie mccardle who's the highway superintendent um has made a huge impact on um, in hampton bays at canoe place inn um, by by using a kind of a flashing light and and cone program there um, in the morning to to kind of get people through and it's um, helped with that intersection. So I think there are there are are ways you can you can address the issue. Um, I don't know that it'll ever be um, you know fixed. And at the same time, I don't know why people keep coming out in the summer um, to to visit if um, if they've got to face that traffic. And and I think that that's the impetus to make some changes as you want to keep people coming out. Steve, you got your optimistic lenses on today. What what do you what are you seeing when you look when forward? I when I started at the East Hampton Star in 1990, after Labor Day, we were just to return to our traditional way of living, you know, gathering nuts and berries and wonder where they <laughs> went. Uh, but seriously, the I remember um the the groups of like reporters and would would rent a house together for the winter and they would be good for like September 15th until May 15th. And then there was always this scramble to find a place to live in the summertime. And, you know, someone who worked at the paper would rent a room, someone who, you know, whose father lived in town would go back home and live with him or whatever. Um, so it's always been tough and it's just, it's just been ratcheted up bit by bit by bit. And there've been a lot of you know there's been a number of 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 successes but it's it's never it's just never it's never going to be an affordable place um you know it's always going to be a reach and i i just you know as far as far as traffic goes i i mean i really think there's going to have to be just a sea change in how we 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 tra travel um and I, I, I look at, I mean, this notion of, you know, more trains back and forth. I think what they really need is to have like a, to, for the, the Montauk line to terminate maybe at West Hampton Beach or whatever, and then have 
back and forth, small light rail type, sort of like a subway type system that would travel much more quickly. And then have, I think this notion of on-demand buses that that, that uh, the county's been trying, uh, Bridget Fleming got that program going where you have these small buses that you you use your uh, phone, you know, to ask a ride, ask for a ride, and they tell you where the bus will be and when. And I think that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff we're going to have to see more of that. Yep. Well, like any issue, we're gonna you got to face the reality and then just try to try to make improvements. So we'll be at Union Sushi and Steak October twenty sixth. We're going to be talking about traffic and leave plenty of time housing. to get there. <laughs> Have a great week, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening. The Express Sessions and the Sessions Report are presented by Rocco Carrero Wealth Partners. Our session partners are the Adam Miller Group and Advantage Title, with additional support from Sabro Capital, Geek Hampton, Dayton Ritz and Osborne Insurance, and Greenberg Trowerick. A special thanks to our media partner, WLIWFM. We will see you next time at Express Sessions for another conversation not to be missed.